and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. I hope that you've had a great week. Again, I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and are really studying to kind of show yourself approved as we kind of go through this continued message on the calling and, and fulfilling the calling that God has for you in your life. So last week we talked about how there's a calling and that each one of us has a work to do and how each one of us has to kind of go through the, the work of the cross to be able to fulfill that calling. Today we're going to talk about the offices, the different types of ministries that are out there and how they kind of correlate and what they are and and how they kind of work together um, as part of the, the body of Christ. And then next time, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the gifting, because God's not going to give you an office or a work to do without giving you the tools to be able to complete and the, the work that he has for you. So we'll talk about that a little bit next week. But before we get there, just a couple of housekeeping items. Again, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. Again, if you want a new copy of a New King James Bible, all you have to do is drop me an email at Path to Redemption Ohio at gmail.com. I am here to help you. And then on top of that, uh, it, just don't take my word for it. Make sure you're studying to show yourself approved. But if you do have any questions, just drop me a note at path to redemption, Ohio at gmail.com. I'll help you. I'm willing to talk to you and kind of walk through um, anything that you want for any of the things that we've kind of talked about in the podcast, um, even from episode one, all the way up to, to now. So with that being said, you know, just a reminder, if you do enjoy this podcast or if you do enjoy, you know, some of the teaching that's here, just go ahead and leave a review and, and leave a rating there. And on top of that, share it with as many people as you'd like. Um, I mean, it, at the end of the day, this is something I do that I felt led by the Lord to do. And I just want as many people as possible that want to hear the teaching and want to grow in Christ to hear it um, and, and to move forward with him. With all that being said, um, let's go ahead and let's dive into scripture. And our main scripture comes from Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse one. And Paul basically tells the church at Ephesus, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself 
in love. So a lot of scripture here from Paul, but I really want to kind of focus there on verse 11 where it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So this is what is referred to as the fivefold ministry. And the purpose for the fivefold ministry is for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the fivefold ministry has been given to us for the edifying, for the building up of the church and for the building up of the, the church members and the people that believe on Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? Because ultimately the, the fivefold ministry is a picture of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ walked on this earth, he he operated in all five of these ministries. Now, there's additional ministries that Paul kind of talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to talk about those near the end here, but I really want to kind of break down what the fivefold ministry is and really kind of what each of these offices are. But before we get started in that, there's also an important part that I need to address here is that what we're going to be talking about are the offices of the fivefold ministry. And when I talk about the office, I mean, these people operate within the authority of that office. So for instance, an apostle or a prophet may operate as an apostle, as a prophet with the fullness of the authority of Jesus Christ in that particular office. Now, just because they have that office. That's a higher level and a higher authority, but it doesn't mean that other people don't have the power to operate in some of those things. So for instance, Numerous people can prophesy, but they're not truly prophets. They don't operate in the office of a prophet. Numerous people may start churches, but they're not really called to operate into the office and with the authority of the office of the apostle, but rather they're pastors. So there's a a difference there between the power, which is the ability to do something or the anointing that God may have placed on your life or placed in a specific area for a specific amount of time to like start a church or whatever it may be, versus operating in the office office of it where, you know, such as Paul did going around starting churches and then managing all these churches that he was responsible for. So there's a bit of a difference there between the power and the authority. It's possible to have the power without necessarily the authority, but it is not possible to have the authority without the power. So, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit next week as we kind of get into giftings and we'll talk a lot about the, the differences between power and authority. So we're going to start here with the apostle, okay, because the apostle is the leader of leaders, if you will. They're responsible for starting and planting different bodies of believers. Paul refers to himself as an apostle. He talks to himself and says that he's an apostle. And also, remember, Paul was responsible for numerous churches being planted. The church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, you know, all of these different churches that he brought to, um, and that he began and then set pastors over, people like Timothy and Titus and, and other people. 
people to really manage and to really be there as a shepherd. But regardless, it was Paul that really did the planting and the starting of different bodies of believers. They also work in miracles. We know that through the book of Acts that John and uh, and Peter did numerous miracles. We know that Philip was miraculously translated and to be with the eunuch um, and then ultimately baptized the eunuch and then that same moment was gone and was found somewhere else on the earth. So we know that there's a, a, a working of miracles that follows the apostolic. And then we know that there's a teaching of others into deeper revelation. And we see that again through Paul and all of Paul's writings, through Peter and the vision that he had in Acts chapter 10 of, uh, of the gospel being available for Gentiles. But we really see the leadership here from you know James uh, as the, the head of the church at Jerusalem and leading the church into this new into the new era of being allowing the Gentiles to partake in Jesus Christ. But the apostolic here is very, very important because, as I said, it's the leader of leaders. All of the other ministries of the fivefold ministries are subject to the apostle, particularly when we start talking about the corporate church. Now, I know that you've constantly heard that pastors are kind of the end-all, be-all, but this is actually not the case. The apostle is truly the end-all, be-all. Now, here's the other thing I would say, too, is that the apostleship comes with significant persecution, significant life-altering events that cause an apostle to see the fullness of the death of Jesus Christ, as we've talked about as they walk through the cup of the Lord. The more outpouring of that that you get, the greater that the aroma that comes out of the alabaster box is, if you will, and also the greater the the death of self is, and the greater the flesh is nailed to that tree, so that more of Christ can shine through. Okay, So the apostleship, while yes, it's it's the highest one there, it is also the one that is the loneliest, it's the one that, that requires the greater death of self, and it is the one that God trusts only to the to the people that are really going to yield themselves over to him 100% completely. There are many people that will call themselves apostles that are frankly are not apostles. They may have planted a church, but they're really pastors. They may have done um, a couple of things here and there, but they're really not called to the office of the apostleship. Because here's the other thing too, and before we kind of get into this a little bit further, there's a difference between kind of the anointing or being put into an arena for a short amount of time and then also the office and really having that truly be the calling that you are in. So that kind of breaks down the the apostleship here. The next office, if you will, with the prophet. And the prophet does exactly what they say, what it says. They prophesy. They kind of tell of the future that's coming. They tell of the different things that are, that are going to happen. But on top of that, a prophet is responsible for correction, direction, and reproof. And we see that all through the, the Old Testament. You take someone like Elijah, who is correcting the children of Israel and trying to bring them back to repentance, right? A lot of that happens with, with prophets. And yes, prophets operate today. And I, I know a lot of people that kind of despise prophecy, and there are plenty of people that have messed this whole thing up and have come in where a prophet, a true prophet will be known by their words and if they come to pass, and then there's plenty of false prophets out there, just as Christ said that there would be during this time. But prophecy is real and it's there and it, and it is correct. Now, there are very numerous different types of prophets here and differences between prophets. Now, 
all of them obviously prophesy and can tell, but there's a subset of prophets that are called seers that rather have visions and dreams. So you think of Daniel, right? And his vision of Nebuchadnezzar's statue or his dream of Nebuchadnezzar's statue and, and some of the things that he saw from visions and dreams, right? So Daniel um, in the Old Testament was more of a seer than anything else. So there's a subset there. Now, all seers are prophets, but not all prophets are seers. So it's important to make those distinctions. But there's also three other types of prophets, too, and they all kind of break down in different ways. There's prophets in the field. And prophets in the field see far off into the future about what was coming. If you take someone like David, David was a prophet in the field because he saw the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming and, you know, prophesied in the book of Psalms that, you know, none of his bones were going to be broken and, and prophesied about the redemption of Israel and the redemption of people. So, so David was a prophet in the field and he would sing these Psalms while he was out in the field with his shepherd and, and he could see far into the future. Then there's prophets on the walls or watchmen on the walls that can see out a little bit further. You know, people like, like Jeremiah who could see the impending doom of the Babylonian captivity that was coming, but yet it was still 20 to 30 years away. And then there's prophets in the city, like such as Elijah, who prophesies of things that are in the near future. Like Elijah prophesied and said that it's not going to rain until Israel repents, right? And that's ultimately what happened. And that would be a prophet in the city because it's more immediate of what's going on. Now, each one has their specific role in the church to warn the church, the corporate church, I say, about, about things that are coming and things that are going to happen and to really prepare because the scripture says that God's not going to do anything unless he first reveals it to his friends, the prophets. So we have to understand that there is prophecy that operates here. The true office of a prophet is something that does that does partake in the church. They will prophesy, but each prophet has its own place and they have their own thing. And then on top of that, there's local prophets, there's you know regional prophets, there's national prophets, and then there's international prophets too. So all of them have their place and all of them have their scale, right? But again, similarly to the apostle, the, the office of a true prophet is going to be one of heartache and it's going to be one that that has to go through that cross in order for God to truly trust you with what that calling truly is. Amen. So moving on again, evangelists are next and they're responsible for really carrying the gospel to the world. You know, they have the ministry of salvation. Oftentimes you see healing and deliverance in those ministries and you kind of see what God, what God is expanding and adding to the church daily. You know, a lot of missionaries are evangelists. A lot of people that'll go to different areas uh, of the, of the world to really preach the gospel and to show Jesus Christ are evangelists. And they're there strictly to kind of win people to Jesus Christ. Anywhere that God sends them to go and the people that God leads them to, you know, that's who they're responsible for and that's who they're responsible to minister to. You know, the next section here are the pastors and these are really the shepherds. Their whole responsibility is for tending to the flock. The day-to-day tending of the flock is what the responsibility of the pastors are. Nudging people when they need to, comforting them when they need to, being there for them when they need to. So really pastors are responsible responsible for the growth of the of the flock and are really 
pushed more so into that servant and getting down into what I call the the nitty gritty with people, really getting their hands dirty and walking with those people. There was a time, and I think I've said this, where where I pastored a church for about five years, but I can tell you right now, my calling is not to pastor. That's just not what I'm called to do. But did God give me the power to pastor for a short amount of time? Yes, he did. But that's not my calling. And I know that's not my calling. And I don't ever want to step out of my calling and go back into that unless God wants me to for another short season. But ultimately, though, it's important for us to understand that that pastor's responsibility is they have a love for the people, a love for the flock, and they have a lot to bear in terms of the flock and in terms of the people. And the final one here in the fivefold ministry are teachers. We're responsible for teaching and letting people grow, building foundations, um, really focusing more on building the 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 foundation with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets that are written in the scripture, and then helping people grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ and in their knowledge of the spirit and how they really work through through different things. It's very, very, very important that we listen to teachers. And I'm not talking about Sunday school teachers because a teaching ministry, a true teaching ministry behind belongs behind the pulpit or in a small group or in a short, in a, in a smaller amount of flock where people can learn and grow and ask their questions and do what they need to do to learn more about Jesus Christ in even a more intimate setting. Now, here's the thing. This is the amazing thing. This is why I love God is that, yes, the pastor is subject in the corporate church to the apostle, to the prophet, and to the evangelist. But if an apostle, a prophet, or an evangelist walks into a local church and belongs to a congregation of local churches, of a, of a local church, they are subject to the authority of the pastor and teacher in the local church. And the reason for that is because everyone needs to subject themselves to one another. Because again, what does it say in verse 16? It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It is important for apostles and prophets and evangelists to humble themselves and fall underneath the authority of the pastor and the teacher and the local church. Now, on the flip side, it's also just as important that outside that local church and outside the function of that local church, that the pastors and teachers submit themselves to the authority of the apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist. Now, again, I'm not saying to anyone who calls themselves any of these things, because ultimately it is God who sets that, who sets you apart. And I got news for you is that most of the time, if you have a true apostle or a true prophet, they're not going to walk up to you and say, I'm apostle so-and-so or I'm prophet so-and-so, because they, the hardships they've gone through, the, the humility that they've gone through, the humbling that they've gone to, that's the lifting up of their own flesh and the lifting up of their own selves. Just as Jesus said, you know, as they called Jesus the Messiah, he told Herod and all the everyone else, he said, that's what you say I am. You know, even though he knew exactly who he was, that's the exact same same thought process, the same way that apostles and prophets go for it, because they've been humbled, they've given themselves over to God, and their flesh continues to die as they go through their daily life, to which why Paul said, I die daily. So understanding that, though, you know, there's, a, there's an authority line, there's a subjectivity of that authority line, and 
in each one of these, people are called specifically. Now, the other thing I would say, there are additional offices as found in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. And Paul puts it this way. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, what does that mean? So after that, after these is gifts of healing, which are people that actually have the ability to, through the Holy Spirit, to be able to heal others in in different aspects, both spiritually, emotionally, and naturally. Then there's the ministry of, of helps, right? Which is really a help to pastors, a help to ministers, where it's just basically those people in the local church or those people in the ministry that are willing to do anything and everything they can to just forward the, the ministry, whatever it's needed. You know, if they're needed to set up the the outreach that's going to happen, then they're the ones that set it up and they're happy to do it. And that's what they love to do. The ministry of helps does more to help the fivefold ministry than anyone else because they do what, frankly, some of the dirty work, some of the more tedious things, so that others in the fivefold ministry can focus more on the spiritual things. They take care of more of the natural things, and and it's important. It is an incredibly important important ministry, along with the same thing with administrations, being able to to run a curriculum at a Sunday school or being able able to check the books of the church to make sure they're financially sound and being good stewards of the finances that God has given them. All of that becomes very, very important to help, again, the furthering of the corporate church. And then finally, the varieties of tongues, being able that when you speak, to be able to speak in multiple languages so that people can understand. All of that, it becomes very, very important, especially as you continue to further the gospel. So everyone has a work and everyone's going to fall into some of these ministries. Now, what didn't I mention? I didn't mention a youth ministry. I didn't mention a children's ministry. I didn't mention a music ministry. I didn't mention any of those things, right? Because just because you play the piano and you sing and you do the work of the ceiling of, of the singing or you do the work of the of the worship does not mean that you are not called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, or work in the miracles or the gifts of healing or helps and administrations or the varieties of tongues. Okay, you can do both. Okay. Now just because you feel that you have a special calling to the youth or to to those people to grow them up, that doesn't mean that you're not called to be a teacher. I would argue that most of the time people that are considered youth pastors are really called to be teachers and to teach and to grow up the youth into true and into the fullness and into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. The same thing with children's ministries and those types of things. Because they all fall ultimately into the fivefold ministry or the additional offices that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everyone has a work to do. Okay, You have an office to fulfill. If you believe in your heart and you have confessed with your mouth, you have a work and it's going to fall somewhere within these ministries that we've talked about. Yes, you may play drums or you may play guitar in the music ministry, but that doesn't mean you're not, you're also don't have a, the helps in administrations or you're not called to be a teacher or you're not called to be an evangelist or whatever it may be. We have to understand and stop siloing these people and say, okay, you, the only thing you can do is music ministry. You can't preach. You can't teach. You can't do anything like that. You just focus on worship. Okay, but that's – and don't get me wrong. Worship is incredibly important. 
But there's additional work to be done outside of the worship that happens every single week at church. Okay, so we have to understand that. Now, again, just because you're a youth pastor doesn't mean that you can't teach people in general, right? And teach people to grow them up if you're called to that teaching ministry. So we have to understand here that the teaching and the pastoral pieces, and we've kind of siloed this way too much and not recognizing the fivefold ministry and the ministries that Paul has laid out before us. So if we can do that and if we can understand what the offices are that we had that are that God has a called each one of us to and whatever the office is that God has called you to understand what gifts are responsible for the are needed for the equipping of that because God will equip you to to fulfill the office once you are ready to, and once you've died to the cross of Jesus Christ enough to where God can trust you with the ministry and trust you in your office, he will equip you through your personal journey and then send you off to fulfill the ministry that he has given you. Amen. So understand the offices that are out there. Understand what's out there. Now, again, next week we're going to talk about the giftings and the the different types of gifts and how they align with each of these ministries and some of the things that God can do and some of the creative things that God can do, whether it be with music or whatever it may be. But we have to understand and stop pigeonholing the worship team or pigeonholing the youth minister or, or doing all these things. They have a greater purpose than maybe what we think. But here's the other thing I would tell you is that, again, there is still more power in the congregation than there is behind the pulpit. Basically meaning that there are, if you have a church full of 100 people, there's one person behind the pulpit, but there's 100 people outside in front of that pulpit, all with callings on their lives, ministries to fulfill that must be given the opportunity. God will make room for your ministry. It may not be in the church you're at right now, but God will push you forward when it's time for you to be ready. But when it's not time, you sit and you wait. Just the same way that David had to wait for years before he became king of Israel. It was prophesied. He was crowned the king of Israel. He was anointed the king of Israel, I should say, and well before he was ever crowned the king of Israel. So are we at the office that we have. We may have our calling. We may know what it is, but it may be years before we fulfill that calling. I can tell you right now, I'm a perfect example of that. I still have not fulfilled the calling that God has in my life. God is going to make room for it when it's time. It's not time for me to step out. It's not time for me to fulfill the calling that God has for me. It's coming soon, but it's not yet time. But I can tell you the 36 years that I've been on this earth have all been preparing me for that moment for God, where God's going to allow me to step out to do the work that he has for me. Ultimately, that is his ministry. That is his work. And I, I just have to allow him to do it through me. Amen. And the same thing lies with you. It may be years before you see the fulfillment of it, but it doesn't change the fact though, that you're called to what it is. And you have to understand what the office is that's called that you're called to. Okay, next week we're going to talk about the equipping, and then after that we're going to talk about how do we identify what we've been called to. Okay, so I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're enjoying this because this is really important. If you want to work in the church, and I'm not talking about the local church, but if you really want God and the Holy Spirit to use you, you got to lay down your life first off. Okay, you got to give Him everything. Walk through the cup of the Lord. Allow your your flesh to be crucified, ultimately, so you can be resurrected into one of these offices of of ministries that God has for you. Amen. 
For the song of the week this week, we're going to go back to 1998 with DC Talk off their Supernatural album, and the song is Consume Me. Great song. Just listen to it. I'm a huge DC Talk fan. Who isn't? If you were, if you grew up in the 90s as a Christian, you, you had to be a DC Talk fan. But Supernatural, the 1998 album that they released, again, the, uh, the song is Consume Me. Great song, great tune. Look, I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're enjoying the teaching. I hope that you're growing. I hope that you're learning. I really do. If you're enjoying this, please leave a review. Um, it, it'll help, you know, kind of put the podcast more so into the forefront for more and more listeners as they kind of search and browse. But again, if you need any help or need anything, just drop me a note at path to redemption Ohio at gmail.com. And just remember this simple truth as you go through your week. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. Thank you.